0: Toronto uh, Star is reporting more than half of Ontario's young students say they feel depressed about the future. 50% or more depressed about the future. That's according to the latest Ontario Student Drug Use and Health Survey. This is a survey that's been conducted every two years since 1977 by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. And for more than 40 years, they've been asking students from grade 7 to grade 12 about how they feel. How you doing? It's a little check-in. This is one of the uh, longest ongoing school surveys of adolescents in Canada and one of the longest in the world. I'd like to welcome onto the show Dr. Joanna Henderson, Senior Scientist at CAMH and Executive Director of the Youth Wellness Hubs Ontario. Welcome to the show. Good morning. So what are the major findings um, from this year's uh, study, the Ontario Student Drug Use and Health Survey, and, and how do they differ from previous years?
1: Yeah, well, as you uh, as you mentioned, we are seeing uh, very high rates of um, young people reporting that the pandemic has uh, made them feel depressed. Uh, We um, also, for the first time ever, have asked young people about their concerns about climate change. And and similarly, half of young people indicated that climate change was also making them feel depressed about the future. When we put these things together, these kind of big uh, societal contexts of pandemic, climate change, you know, our young people have very big concerns on their mind and it's having an impact.
0: And what kind of impact is it having on, on their mental health?
1: Well, you know, we're seeing low mood, we're seeing high levels of uh, psychological distress, we have substantial proportions of young people, approximately one in five who are reporting difficulties with um, harming themselves on purpose with thoughts of suicide. These are very serious concerns. Um, and, And on top of that, young people are reporting that they don't know where to turn. Um, and, and I think this is a real call to action for all of us uh, to, to be connecting as you said in your lead in, connecting with the young people who are in our lives, whether that's your nieces and nephews, your children, your, your neighbors, uh, maybe people you see in your professional context, asking them how they're doing, checking in with them and creating opportunities for conversation.
0: Self harm and suicidal ideation, uh, they are very serious things that we have to be, uh, obviously, uh, keep our eyes on and make sure that our, our kids are, um, you know, not, not getting preoccupied with both, uh, or either. Um, but I have to ask you this because I think that we have had several discussions with people off air and some people wonder if it's not just the questions we're asking kids and, and that, these things were always around, but we weren't asking these questions quite as pointedly uh, back in the day. And maybe things haven't changed that much. What, what's your experience with this? Because you've been doing this survey for 40 years. Have, have the questions changed a lot when it comes to self-harm and suicidal ideation?
1: Well, I think both is true. I think there has been uh, you know, a tremendous effort on the part of um, the community and some leaders like Bell Let's Talk, for example, and, and Kim H., of course, as well. Um, and the media generally to create spaces to talk about mental health, to reduce stigma, Um, So part of it might be that young people uh, are uh, more um, willing to to describe their experiences. Part of it is we're also encouraging young people to um, um, reach out for support, uh, to think about their experiences, um, to reflect on how they're feeling and to share that with others. And in addition to that, we also have evidence that the, uh, the overall rate is increasing. Um, and so uh, while we do have these positive things happening, mm. we also have this cause for concern.
0: And what did you find out from the survey on, you know, uh, we, we people always say now as we uh, progress and evolve and as as family units change that back in the day, I didn't want to be a friend of my kid. Like my job was not to be a friend. It was to be a parent. Um, and, you know, they look at new generations of parenting and say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be your kid's friend. But I think kids are feeling that their parents are more approachable. Uh, It seems that parents are are having more um, relatable conversations with their kids. Their their kids feel more comfortable coming to them. Is that what we're seeing when it comes to uh, the survey and and what the respondents say? Or is that just anecdotal?
1: Um, I think, you know, certainly we asked young people, especially in the context of the pandemic, about uh, their relationship with their parents. And of course, for a substantial, you know, proportion, they, they've they experienced greater conflict. Also, however, uh, more than a third of young people reported improved relationships with their parents. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it Part of it is that we've created these opportunities. All of this time together, mm-hmm. um, in some families, has created opportunities for more conversation. And I mean, we would never have the kind of same conversation about, you know, well, if my child broke their arm, um, it's not being friendly to have a conversation about that, mm. right? Mental health is health, and sure. and having conversations about your about your mental health with your um, you know, creating space for those conversations with your your children is really important.
0: But is it is it important as well that we give kids the verbiage to describe how they feel? Because you know, when you, when you, when you break an arm, your parents can say, "Hey, how's your arm feeling? Is it are you in pain today? Is it aching? What's what's the situation like?" When they're talking about mental health, it's a lot harder for some people even to put it into into terms that people can understand when they're talking about mental health for adults and for I would imagine kids.
1: Absolutely. And it's like a brilliant point, because the way we cope with stress and things that challenge our mental health is often invisible. So when we think about the role of parents and other adults and and older siblings in modelling these important pieces of life, Uh, when we cope well, it's, it's not as evident as when we're not coping well. So when parents are not coping well, they might be highly irritable, they might, you know, I don't know, they can engage in different things that children can observe. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot less of saying things like, wow, I had a stressful day today. And here's how I coped. Here are the things I did to help myself when, you know, when I started to hear myself say, you know, oh, you know, that was a dumb thing to do, I reminded myself, you know, all of that kind of in um, things that can strategies that can be really helpful for mental health are quite invisible and internal. And we need to bump that up a little bit, we need to support parents and also on a day to day basis, just modeling um, uh, healthy coping, so that it's not that kind of special talk all the time, it right. actually becomes more part of the day.
0: Some people cope with stress and uh, depression in, in ways where they're self-medicating. Your uh, survey uh, showed some positives when it comes to kids and binge drinking. Can you go through the, the binge drinking and the results of the vaping uh, when, when it comes to sure. your survey and how kids are taking part and how things have changed?
1: Absolutely. So again, you know, this is a survey of of adolescents, um, uh, 12, basically 12 years old to about 18 years old, grade seven to to um, grade 12. And what we found is that binge drinking is down significantly compared to 2019. Uh, so pre-pandemic from eight percent eight percent now compared to 15 percent in 2019. and similarly uh, vaping is also down down to 15 percent compared to 23 uh, percent prior to the pandemic. Mm. Now of course you know th- these are very positive changes and these are the kinds of things we want to figure out how do we hold on to these changes sure. um, once we start to move back to uh, you know kind of pre-pandemic ways of being?
0: Yeah, it really speaks to the motivation behind both binge drinking and vaping when you're a kid. You, you know, if you're not around your friends, odds are you're not going to do it as much. And that's what we're seeing revealed in the, in the survey because you weren't allowed to be around your friends during the pandemic and kids weren't socializing to the same degree. Uh, so we have seen a, a decrease here. How do you keep that, uh, number, you know, uh, steady, I guess, and, and decreasing is, is the question. But I think uh, your survey really does give us a lot to think about. What's your biggest takeaway from this survey uh, you'd like uh, listeners to think of when, they, when it comes to their own kids?
1: Um, I think really what you said right off of the top, check in with your kids, create spaces for conversation where you're very concerned, where you're um, where young people are having thoughts of harming themselves or um uh you know are really uh experiencing lots of mental health concerns reach out to your family doctor if you're fortunate enough to have one we also have robust uh child and youth family um and mental, family mental health services across the province those can be uh you can find places close to you through the children's mental health ontario and also through youth wellness Hubs ontario
0: dr henderson it's been a pleasure having you on the show thanks so much for walking us through your survey You're welcome. Thanks for your interest. Have a great day. Dr. Joanna Henderson is Senior Scientist at CAMH and Executive Director of Youth Wellness Hubs.